Game Changer Episode 20, Gamification at Work, How to Succeed in a Corporate Setting, featuring Mario Herger. Welcome to Game Changer, a series on using gamification to engage employees. Join us as industry experts discuss one of the hottest trends in business today. Using game thinking to engage employees in work, wellness, recruiting, and more. This is a special podcast series by the producers of the top-rated podcast, The Engaging Leader. And now, with nearly 20 years of experience helping engage hundreds of thousands of employees at Fortune 500 companies and other organizations, here's your host, Jesse Leahy. Welcome to the show, Game Changers. This is the show for CEOs, HR executives, and other business leaders to learn about internal gamification. Over the course of this series, you'll hear examples and pitfalls, discover how to assess when it's an appropriate strategy, and learn to evaluate gamification partners and game design ideas. I am Jesse Leahy, and our guest today is Mario Herger. Mario is the founder and partner of EnterpriseGamification.com, which was launched in October of 2011, pretty darn early in the whole gamification trend. He has been senior innovation strategist and global head of the gamification initiative at SAP Labs in Palo Alto, California for the past 14 years. And he also leads the Austrian Innovation Center Silicon Valley, which he co-founded in 2013. He is the co-author of the brand new book, Gamification at Work, Designing Engaging Business Software. Mario, welcome to Game Changer. Thank you, Jesse, for having me. What led you to launch this website, Enterprise Gamification, almost two years ago? Well, back then, when I started looking into gamification and how games are can be used in a business environment. I didn't know about this term gamification. Uh, when I started looking at that and Google that, I stumbled over it uh, and I found only 400 or 500 search results. Uh, as you know, in the meantime, it has been really gotten up to uh, millions of search results and uh, gotten a lot of interest. The reason why I started looking into enterprise gamification back then most of the gamification examples were based on uh, gamific- uh, on marketing or education. But I wanted to look at how can we use it to make uh, the work for employees uh, better, uh, working with business software, working in communities, etc. And uh, seeing that nobody really talked about that, I started my own website, enterprise-gamification.com, in order to assemble and collect all these examples and potential pitfalls that you encounter depending on the size of the corporation, where this corporation is located, uh, etc., so that we have a hub for everyone who wants to use gamification in a work environment. Well, y- your website is definitely one of the first that I began following when I was interested in this area. And I do notice that you, you've got a lot of great articles written, a lot of thought-provoking discussion about pitfalls and what's the right way to handle this situation and how to go about designing them. But as you said, you've really collected a lot of great examples. And some of those you've included in your new book, Gamification at Work. And I'd like to talk about three or four of the examples that you share in that book. And then I want to get into uh, this other part of that book where you talk about tips for success in a corporate setting. So the, the first example, which is, was really unique to me, in the book is the SAP Vampire Hunter. 
Can you tell us the, the story what what led to Vampire Hunter? The Vampire Hunter is, of course, uh, an example where the team who created this design was very engaged and had a lot of fun with it. It is part of, an, of a larger gamified approach to reduce the carbon footprint of employees and population in general. And one of these things is uh, how to find what we call the energy suckers. Yeah, not the blood suckers, but the energy suckers in your office location. So this is a mobile application. And you use this mobile application to uh, schedule an appointment with uh, other colleagues that you may not know. And uh, let's say we meet at 12 noon for 15 minutes on the fifth floor and we walk through all the offices and meeting rooms and co and, and uh, coffee corner and take a look at all the devices and plugs and lights, everything that consumes electricity and take a picture of that. Uh, and if there is an energy sucker, something like a, you know, a power charger that is still charging although everything is full or a coffee machine that's tripping or an incandescent light bulb somewhere, I just take a picture and report it to my corporate facility. And if uh, a facility then later takes on on that and says, okay, we have changed that power charger, uh, I help save the company energy, electricity usage, and save my company money. Now, of course, the, the intrinsic motivation is not so much really to help uh, save the planet or make uh, uh, help my company save money, but because they, I'm not seeing that on my bonus or I'm not uh, hearing from the earth telling me you did a good job. Uh, I don't see any feedback like that. But what I do is I learn. I learn and I about uh, energy saving measures and I could apply it then to my own uh, household or community or parish or where I'm involved in. And I meet other people. Uh, learning and meeting other people are actually intrinsic motivators that we try to use in gamification design. And by adding a little bit fun, like putting a narrative on top of that, the vampire hunter, making it bloody and fun, uh, is something that, in addition, en engages and encourages people to live more sustainable. So this was an application that, that you, you helped design and implement internally at SAP. My co-author, my co-author, uh, Janaki, she, she's the co-author of the book. She leads the UX design team that created that design. And this is only, this is just something purely internal at SAP. It's not uh, available for other companies to use. Correct. It's not available. At the moment, it's not available. But it's, it's a great example of identifying a business need and then thinking about how to use gamification strategies to engage people in, in achieving that need. How long ago was that actually implemented and, and how is, what's the progress been? The concept has been uh, created, I think, two or three years ago. I do not know uh, what is the current status of that. I only saw the designs, but whenever I show it, I think people really can relate to that and love the design. So I actually would love to see that also getting available, becoming available for others outside SAP. Mm -hmm. And then another internal application that you talk about that was done at SAP is called Road Warrior. Correct. The SAP Road Warrior is a sales simulation game. At SAP, we face the problem that we have uh, 
a lot of new areas that are very dynamic in materials and whatever is coming out. One of these areas is mobile. So we, we sell solutions, mobile solutions for corporate entities. And uh, our salespeople have the, the, the challenge that they need to know about all these new developments. Uh, and they have a hard time following all the white papers that are coming out, product descriptions, etc., and stay up to date to be able to tell their customers that they're talking to. So the training department decided to use a gamified approach to engage the salespeople a little bit more by creating a sales simulation. So instead of just going through white papers and videos, they are set into a simulated sales negotiation with a fictitious customer. And uh, the customer, uh, you see a customer video talking and asking like a CIO from a wine distributor, and they ask questions about these mobile solutions. And uh, by answering them and going through cheat sheets or through documents, uh, your, the salespeople are then able to answer those questions and win these customers in these games uh, and unlock new customers maybe from different areas. By playing this game, uh, we teach them, we educate them on uh, our sales uh, solution, uh, on our mobile solutions. And when then one of our salespeople goes out to a real customer uh, negotiation, they are much more prepared for that because they have been in this situation before and encountered many of these questions that these real customers may have. This, this game has been rolled out in the US, uh, in North America, and in Asia-Pacific Japan, and has been played by several hundred sales agents. And uh, I cannot talk about uh, how successful it was, because the sales cycles at SAP are typically pretty long, uh, several months. Uh, so there's uh, not really clear of how much impact it had, but it certainly was a lot of fun for those participants who who played that game, and I think they felt more confident of using it. It's an interesting approach to any kind of training. It not only takes something that is potentially boring and where there could be a lot of procrastination where a salesperson keeps putting off the training they need to take to stay up to date on products and so forth, but it's interesting, not only does it achieve something that they need to be successful in, in, from a learning perspective, but I liked how it actually, as they go through the game, the Road Warrior game, it's actually collecting their responses that the game is asking them to do. And, and so when it's all said and done, they actually have some of the information organized that they're going to need anyway when they walk into their next customer interaction. So it's actually preparing them. It's not only preparing them from a learning perspective, it's preparing them from a pr practical sp perspective when they walk into that customer meeting. Correct. That's a good point. Uh, it is not just, you know, you go through material, but in the end, you also have your cheat sheets readily available because that's what you have used in the game. Um, I think I think education and training is, is, is a huge field. Uh, typically, if you take traditional training classes where you have uh, a trainer talking about that, showing slides, etc., or a teacher in school, what we have seen or what we know, what research has shown is that 10 to 15% of the content of the material presented is, so, is something that the students uh, remember after a certain time. Um, with a gamified training, where we use basically put people in into doing something, into experiencing it from a story perspective, yeah, uh, and other 
people retain way more information. And I'm when I talk when I say way more, it's not a ten or fifteen percent of the content. It's seventy-five to ninety percent of the material that has been used in these things. And that's based on human on how humans are wired, how their brains are wired. We love stories. We much better remember stories than hard facts or unrelated content. Uh, and that's how we grew up, of how humans evolved. Uh, and and we're bringing that with gamification back into training and other areas. Those are two examples that were custom-built, homegrown, if you will, to implement at SAP for SAP employees. There's a few other examples then that you share that come from outside of SAP. And the one that I think has pretty broad, would have broad level of interest is TrueOffice for compliance training. That was a new one for me. What's, what's TrueOffice doing? TrueOffice is a company that provides gamified uh, compliance training solutions. So you, if, you're, if you have ever gone through a compliance training, yeah, from sexual harassment to financial security, etc., you know that this is a pretty boring uh, thing. This is mandatory. This is required uh, by state or federal law, um, and often very dry topic areas. Often they, you're not an expert in those things, but you need to be aware of if you're a manager or if you work in such an area, but it, you don't feel productive with that. So what TrueOffice did is they use as a game design element storytelling. <laughs> and the storytelling is here you're being put into the situation of uh, like a Miss Marple, Miss Marple yeah, or Hercule Poirot, like a detective who has to figure out uh, what happened in that company. So if there's a financial uh, uh, security or fraud uh, thing happening, like somebody siphoned off money uh, or violated certain regulations, uh, you're being put in the position as the investigator. And you have to interview the people. And on the way of interviewing, you get tips of what legal regulations uh, say and what are applicable to that. And by walking and interviewing and seeing evidence, you can put together uh, basically the crime scene and identify the villains, the villain or the villains. And uh, while, while, of course, we love detective stories and police stories, no wonder that we have all these series on TV, uh, you basically are being put into such a series and are the investigator yourself and active. And on the way... You are solving this problem and learning about the regulations. And at the end of this game, you know everything about uh, financial services regulation. So not only the content uh, sticks better with you from the compliance training, but you also have more fun. And the one hour that you spend on that is probably spent much faster uh, than just uh, sitting through a boring compliance training that does not use such mechanics. Yeah, I just went to their website, trueoffice.com, 
and their tagline is compliance training your people will thank you for which you have a, I just having sat through some of that in the past it's hard to imagine people actually thanking you but I, I can see as I look at the screen captures it does look like it would be a fun way to do something that you're required to do whether it's the regulatory type training uh, for example insider trading or HR related training like anti-harassment or business ethics or IT training like uh, information security and, and data privacy. Yes, <clears throat> yes. So, so there are, there are many uh, application scenarios where they do that. Uh, my understanding of talking to the founder of TrueOffice, he said they actually have a lot of business and requests that comes from from banks of all sizes and financial industries. Uh, so this is something that seems to be really in high demand at the moment. And I'm actually looking forward of how they are continuing that and and then applying that to other areas because uh, banking and financial services as we know uh, have been in the in the news in the past years a lot so they are very under the magnifying glass uh, but other industries of course uh, may have similar problems or maybe similar challenges uh, and such a solution as so the gamification solution is certainly a much more interesting and uh, entertaining approach to such a dry uh, topic, to such dry topics, uh, and make it make it easier for the employees to follow those rules and understand them. Mario, those are some great examples of gamification in the workplace. There's a, a great section of the book where you talk about tips for success in implementing gamification in a corporate setting, and there's five that you talk through. Um, the first one is get a gamification sponsor. What's important behind that? The importance behind that is that today a lot of uh, executives or people in the corporate world misunderstand gamification. They think we create games. Uh, so you need certain education uh, and make sure that it is clear that people are not playing games here, but that people use game design elements to uh, make work the outcome of their daily work that they're doing better. And uh, to make sure that this is understood, uh, it is good always to have an executive sponsor. So that's not just an, a grassroots movement or an underground movement, but it says somebody uh, who supports you with that. Because this has a lot of implications when you use that thing. Uh, uh, especially when we go outside the U.S. and go to an international location, let's say Europe, where we have other data privacy and restrictions and uh, labor laws that may kick in, uh, we potentially acquire a lot of data, collect a lot of data on employees in order to reward them through these games. And this could be seen as problem. So you need an executive sponsor to make sure that it will be integrated with the, the systems that you have in place, that this is closely monitored, that uh, behaviors that uh, you may not want to have are corrected, and that there is a strategy behind that so that you in the future uh, can roll it out to more applications and make sure that you're not rewarding certain, um, how to say, certain tasks more than others 
and get get a get a behavior that that you're not intent. So it's always good to have somebody from an executive side in there who helps to set uh, certain things straight and and helps you also assembling a steering committee to to make sure we're on the right path. So let's get a, a an executive sponsor. Number two is with budget and basically budget wisely for both the short-term and long-term success. And you provide a, a very good checklist there of things to think about as you're budgeting. But I guess the, the the basic message there is about making sure that your budget includes both the creation of the gamification as well as the ongoing maintenance and the new challenge levels. Uh, so how do you sort of get your arms around that? Correct. If you're in the IT business, you're very much familiar with that anyways, because it, when you introduce business software, it's not over after the introduction of it. Uh, you have to operate it, run it, upgrade it, maintain it, make sure that there's internal support for that available. Yeah. Uh, the same is with uh, communities. Uh, uh, but with community social media tools that you use, yeah, you need not. it's not just enough to have support there. You need actually people to moderate communities and uh, and make sure that the communities stay healthy in their behaviors. Uh, and, and the very same is true, of course, with, with uh, a gamified system. Uh, a gamified system, of course, needs to have moderators, gamification masters, as I call them, as well. And if you use things like prices, uh, things uh, that you have, and upgrades that are coming, you need to bring out new missions, etc. you need to calculate for that as well. And often, uh, if you go without much knowing about that, to that and budget that, you may tend to forget about those things and not calculate it into your budget calculation. Yeah, so you'll run into game fatigue and this great big effort that you've been so pleased of might peter out after some months after people just get bored of playing the game if there weren't new challenges. This is one of these uh, questions that is always coming. Um, what about uh, after two weeks or after five months? Do people still want to play that thing? Well, for that, we have to look at how video game studios or game studios are doing that. I mean, they also bring out every you know, 12 to 24 months a new version of their game. Yeah? Just, just look at Grand Theft Auto number five came out. Yeah? Because they know they, have, they cannot rely on their laurels or rest on their laurels forever. They have to come out in order to engage people again yeah uh, that is the same here uh, so you need to look in the end what we try to achieve for many of these gamified systems is that they are what i call an infinite game the game that never ends for example if i have a knowledge base or a community that is gamified uh, there's no end or winning condition. This community doesn't end when somebody reached 100,000 points. Yeah, uh, But of course, it continues living. But you want to put in small changes like missions. Yeah, uh, For example, let's clean, let's, let's blog about a certain topic uh, in this month's war because this has been a hot topic and we, we uh, uh, help people or help promote something or we, we clean out certain master data areas like like all, all the spare parts for you know in car manufacturing uh, this month uh, but still you need to do larger updates uh, occasionally uh, that and that means uh, new functionality that you put in 
etc. And you have to think of that to re-engage people and give them new opportunities to, to do something. Uh, we have seen that in another uh, gamified system, the SCP Community Network, where just recently, uh, four or five months ago, it, uh, it was relaunched, the gamification module there from an existing one to a new one. And suddenly there were many more ways to engage and interact with the community. And this led to an incredible amount of engagement increase and user users number of the number of users that engaged with the system. Oh, that's fantastic because that already had a pretty darn good engagement level so far. So that's a good discussion about budget and t- the types of things you need to think about when you're budgeting for a gamification within a corporate setting. The third thing that you provide tips that you need to think about and prepare for rollout. And you, you say that there's basically two, two ways you could go on rollout. I've seen two ways of rollout. One is the big bang. Yeah, That means <laughs> you design the gamified system uh, and then you roll it out to everyone. Of course, we know <laughs> some, uh, that this is a risky thing because if you haven't done it correctly, you may... Uh, uh, you know, annoy uh, or make an, a, lo- a lot of people angry, um, and and you may may get into a lot of you know support questions and flood flood your team that is responsible for it with with requests and questions. And people are really, if they are into that, they ask for these points. Where are my points? I can't see my points. Yeah, etc. And uh, this can be. Uh, can pose a challenge. The other one is, of course, sometimes you don't have a, a, any other option than doing a big bang rollout, but that means you need to prepare for that. On the other hand is, of course, if you start with uh, uh, gamified systems and you have two modalities, uh, a gamified and a non-gamified version, uh, and you may want to roll it out to one department only, yeah, with a with a high handful of users, like like 20 or 100 users, and fine-tune it with them. And if you are if you were doing it well, and and if uh, if the game design in the end works, you will see that uh, this starts going viral. You will roll it out to more users, etc., and uh, scale this way slower and 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 run uh, basically and and be a little bit more safe from scalability issues and uh, and the first larger you know bugs that you had to iron out. Uh, uh, it makes it a little bit less dramatic, I think. So either a big bang or a, a pilot or slow rollout. And I've also called heard, heard the kind of pilot rollout called a soft launch where you correct you just kind of start it softly instead of doing a big Make a, a big soft bang. launch, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then the fourth tip is to think about whether this should be opt-in or mandatory. And that's when you're talking about an employee application, that's a pretty dicey decision to make. Uh, you may not have uh, actually many choices uh, due to legal frameworks. Yeah, in Germany, uh, for example, uh, there is an you per default an employee is opted out. Yeah, you have to. This has to be a conscious act of opting in. <laughs> so you hmm. cannot just tell them they're automatically enrolled. No, no, you have to have them opt in. Uh, while in, in, in other markets, uh, it is, this, this is not an issue. I can automatically opt them in. Uh, so they have to do this conscious act of opting out. Uh, this is due to 
uh, data privacy and other restrictions, legal restrictions that you have. And especially when you when we talk about Europe, you have a lot of countries that have strong labor unions and uh, workers council represent workers council representatives in the companies that work with the board. And depending on the history of <laughs> this relationship, uh, it may be easier or not so easy to come to an agreement here and and what is able. So. You need to be able to plan, actually, if you roll it out on, in such locations, that uh, some employees may not participate in the gamified version. And uh, you cannot use this as a way to identify those people you don't want to get, you want to get rid of. Yeah? So this is a, a no-no in those countries. Also, you have to be aware that whenever an employee opted in, uh, you may have limitations on how you can use the data that is generated through the system. Uh, can a manager actually access the data and make a you know, performance review uh, based on gamification data, etc.? You're running into a lot of compliance uh, issues that you have to be aware of. And then the, the final tip is, is what you call hello help desk my points are missing which is basically about planning for error scenarios correct yeah yeah this is this is this is clear this is like uh, any other software system or system that you process that you have people will ask and and uh, run into bugs or, or things that they think they didn't get it correctly uh, so if you stick with points and rewards like this uh, you can be sure that you will have these questions and emails coming. Yeah, uh, I remember situations where the people were promised T-shirts that they received once they re uh, reached a certain number of points in the system, and and then certain certain uh, countries or employees from certain countries reacted uh, much more strongly to having not yet received their T-shirt while their colleague in the neighboring office or cubicle already got it and is basically teasing them with having that and bragging, bragging with that shirt. <laughs> so you will see this kind of behaviors in certain countries uh, and you need to be aware that this may happen. So we've shared several examples of gamification at work and we've talked about five tips for success in a corporate setting. One, get a gamification sponsor. Two, budget for both creation and ongoing maintenance and new challenge levels. Three, prepare for rollout. Four, consider opt-in or mandatory. And five, plan for error scenarios. Mario Herger, where can people find out more about you and your work and this book? Well, you can take a look at uh, a website, the website that I have, enterprise-gamification.com. There are tons of more examples and uh, hopefully articles that can help you prepare for that. I also have a gamification community under gamificationcommunity.com where people are coming together and discussing certain problems, but there's also, also job postings <laughs> there, which has been very popular in the past uh, hmm. month. Uh, and and actually, actually, there were even two students who had written their master thesis who found my job through those uh, forums. Uh, so this, this is something to, to hear more. And then I'm, I, I keep talking and appearing at conferences, giving workshops. Uh, so next week, for example, I'm in New York. Uh, then I'm going to India. Uh, I'm going to Israel and Munich talking there. Uh, so I'll, I'm all over the places. <laughs> and uh, lots of these events that I'm aware of in the gamification space 
uh, can be also found on the gamification community and on my website. Uh, so there may be actually, if you want to learn more about gamification, a gamification conference not far from you. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of uh, gamification events in, uh, on the Philippines, in Australia, in, uh, in Europe, in uh, Asia, popping up everywhere. So just check it out. Well, and we can follow your progress on Twitter as well. I, I've been following you for a long time and see that you're active. Your Twitter handle is mherger, M-H-E-R-G-E-R. And we will provide all the links that you just mentioned and your contact information in our show notes for this episode. Mario Herger, the book is Gamification at Work, Designing Engaging Business Software. Thank you for joining us on Game Changer. Thank you, Jesse, for having me. All right, Game Changers, that wraps up this episode. Again, the book is called Gamification at Work, Designing Engaging Business Software by Mario Herger. And we'll provide the information and links that Mario mentioned on our show notes for this episode, which you can find at engagingleader.com forward slash GC20, as in Game Changer Episode 20. If you enjoy this series, be sure to check out the weekly leadership podcast, Engaging Leader, where my guests and I share more ways to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Until next time, remember, life is short, so keep it fun. You can find both Game Changer and Engaging Leader podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website at engagingleader.com. To stay up on the latest news and trends in internal gamification, join the Game Changer group on LinkedIn. We'll automatically direct you to our LinkedIn group when you go to engagingleader.com group. Subscribe to our e-digest at engagingleader.com newsletter. When you do, we'll send you a free copy of Jesse's ebook, Eight Communication Tools for Leaders. You can also follow Jesse on Twitter, at Jesse Leahy, and like us at facebook.com slash engagingleader. Game Changer is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm that helps mid-sized and large employers attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, and Peter McIsaac, who composed our theme music.